0: We want people to leave Chicago, leave Pittsburgh, leave New York, leave New Jersey, wherever, D.C., and come to Columbus because we've got great opportunities here. That's the one of the values that we can deliver to our existing business community is make sure that that reservoir of talent continues to be strong.
1: From Rain Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader while helping your organization to grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, please visit our website at wwwracpacom podcast and sign up for updates. One Columbus has shared their vision for the Columbus region to be the most prosperous region in the United States, growing businesses, preparing communities, and more. Today, Chip Holcomb, Director of Investor Relations at One Columbus, is going to give us a little insight about the One Columbus plan for the region.
0: Welcome to Unsuitable, Chip. Thank you, Doug. Pleasure to be with you.
1: Great to have you on, and I always love talking to you because you're you're so positive, obviously, and and bullish about what's going on in in Central Ohio, despite all of the the headwinds and, and challenges, obviously, with COVID nineteen. So. Let's let's kick it off. Talk to us a little bit about the the One Columbus, the the organization, and and the the work plan that you guys you guys have, and what this means for Central Ohio. Uh,
0: glad to do so. I'll just rewind a little bit. You know, we're in the eleventh year of this journey. Uh, we were formed in two thousand and ten to be the regional economic development organization and really drive economic development much differently than we had in the past. Uh, we set some very lofty, hard-target goals during our first 10 years. Uh, we wanted to have an impact on 150,000 net new jobs, $8 billion of capital investments, and increase per capita income by 30%. And when we launched this, you know, we visited with a lot of business and community leaders, and they all said those are pretty aggressive goals. And we were certainly pleased to report that two years before the end of the decade. So in, in 2018, we reached and surpassed all of those hard target goals. And of course, at that point, everybody said, well, well, of course we did. So uh, we were able to really change the dynamic in, in this region. As we look to the next 10-year strategic plan, as you had mentioned, we would like to become the most prosperous region in the country. And what we mean by prosperous is all of our citizens their economic and social well-being. So lots of people did great in the last 10 years. We want to make sure that we close gaps and we bring everybody aboard, and we can have a a broader impact for all of the residents in our 11-county region to improve not only their economic, but social well-being. So what that means, we're going to own uh, what we own, and that is on the demand side. We want to continue to help companies grow. We want to recruit the best companies in the world to locate here to invest and create jobs. So we're on the demand side. We want to create jobs for our residents. But we're also going to need for local governments to be smarter and more innovative. We need uh, our transportation partners to provide additional services to get workers from home to the uh, the job, to the workplace. We're going to need a healthcare uh, industry. And really, it's sort of an all- all aboard, all in effort to everybody improve, and and then we can really uh, sort of stack hands and hopefully uh, achieve that recognition as being the most prosperous region in the country.
1: Yeah, it's it's really amazing. I remember being at the the kickoff at the uh, the convention center. You know, at the time, uh, you guys were branded obviously Columbus 2020, mm-hmm. and hearing that vision, and you know, myself having been in Central Ohio for over. 30 years now. It's just astounding the progress that we we continue to make. I think people take it for granted, but but we shouldn't, right? Because you guys obviously put in a lot of hard work in, in attracting businesses to this area and, and the region. And it's just, it's so meaningful because it, it feeds on itself, right? I mean, we've got the resources and the talent and the, the investment in time yeah. and people.
0: Well, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I'll harken back. I'm of the age where I can remember Hertz versus Avis competition (laughs) in rental cars. And it's always stuck with me. Avis was like, we're number two. We try harder. And that's sort of emblematic about the Columbus region. You know, people ask, well, who do you compete with? Do you compete with Cleveland, Cincinnati? Not really. You know, we're competing head to head for jobs and investment with Indianapolis, with Raleigh, with Charlotte, with Austin, with Charlotte. uh, Nashville, probably a little bit too. Yeah, Nashville for sure. You know, top tier markets, we're working ahead. And quite frankly, we have got to, the difference between us and our counterparts in Austin, their economic development group, they wait for the phone to ring and it rings constantly. We have to, at least pre-COVID, get on a plane, a train or an automobile every week and go throughout the country to tell the Columbus story, and it's a great story. We've got great assets. We're viewed as a uh, really a tech leader in the Midwest, so we've got a great story to tell. But we have to initiate. We've got to. We've got to, as, as they say, you know, we've got to go out and hunt for uh, these prospects. We spend about a million dollars a year marketing and extolling the economic development virtues of our region. Uh, Nashville, Austin probably spend a third of that because they're yeah. just so much stronger than ours.
1: You know that. That said, we've got you know we're we're so well positioned here, and I'm a, a sort of a, a closet economist myself, and and follow. You know, you look at a lot of the projections, not only from from you guys, and and we'll talk about your your pipeline and projects and all that in a, in a bit here, but you look at the Mid Ohio Regional Planning Commission, even the state of Ohio, their own projections. You know, we're, we're expected to add a million residents to the, the Central Ohio MSA over the next, you know, 20 years or so. I mean, you just think about that, the, the challenges that creates as well as the opportunities. But to your point, we've got to deal with infrastructure and housing and, you know, medical, all those types of things. So as you look forward because of that, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see for, for our region?
0: Well, it's to avoid some of the mistakes that we're seeing in Nashville and Austin. Mm. Infrastructure has not been built out. In fact, there were two or three really great companies um, that were investigating the Nashville market. And they were also began looking at our market and they chose Columbus because they were able to take a look at the entire region and people can go from they might live in Hilliard; they can still work in Gahanna. If you go to Nashville, you can't do that, which means, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're constricting your labor pool by fifty percent. And Austin is just a disaster uh, in terms of infrastructure, roadways, housing. Their city council, for instance, public public policy and public leadership is awfully important. Uh, to communities wanting to move ahead and they're really anti-business. So we're, we're blessed that we've got great public sector leaders. They sort of get it. Of course there's competition between let's say new Albany and Dublin and Westerville and that's great, but we've also, you know, sort of changed the mindset that we're all in it together. If Westerville happens to get a project, well, that's better than Louisville getting it because then nobody. So uh, although we all wear the same color jersey, there's there's really good competition at the local level for projects, and that's good.
1: Yeah, that's that's great to hear. I mean, like you say, if if uh, a project is is currently going to be you know best placed in wherever it is, maybe it's Aetna or New Albany, then the next one is is going to be uh, somebody else will benefit locally from that. Right. So.
0: Yeah, and you know, early on, you know, there was some suspicion from the local of our local partners. Well, we might play favorites. Well, that's really never been the case. It's all client driven. Uh, You know, in terms of the services that you provide your clients, it's whatever they need. So if a a company is coming in and investigating our market, they need 20,000 square feet of class A office space. We've got lots of options, lots of zip codes that we can show them. If they're looking for 150 acres of greenfield site with rail siding, and a deep water aquifer, we might have two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're probably in Marion County and Pickaway County. So Hillier doesn't have to worry about responding to that RFP because they they simply don't have that particular product. So it's client-driven, it's product-driven, which leads me into sort of the next point for our continued success, and that is in helping our local communities build out product. If they don't have office parks, industrial parks, water, sewer, fiber, uh, high speed to access, um, they're not going to win projects. So a lot of that's really expensive. So we're working with them and our state partners and federal partners to make sure that we can continue to build the product that great companies are looking for. Yeah, that's that's so important. Like you said, you need that cooperation at, at all levels.
1: So um, Chip, talk a little bit about the pipeline that you see. Obviously, with with COVID, it put some things on pause. But what did that mean for for you guys and and for the region in terms of economic development and growth? What, what are you seeing out
0: there? Yeah, let me answer it this way. Pre-COVID, I, I, I you know I'll consider that to be February uh, of last year. You know, our pipeline was about 110 active projects. Two types of projects. One would be a local company already here looking to expand either new jobs or uh, capital investment, new facility. And then the second type of project would be a company that isn't located here that is considering coming into the market. So we were, we were at about maybe 110. Then, of course, COVID hit. Everything, uh, really, a lot of, most of the projects just completely went on hold. So our team decided, well, we normally visit 150 to 200 companies a year locally to do assessments and see what we can do to help connect them to programs, incentives, and so forth, we ramped that up to 425 visits. So we said, okay, let's make sure that our companies here locally, if we can help them connect to PPP and other programs and incentives at the state level, that's the job we need to be doing now. As we look at our pipeline, and we really haven't traveled much at all, if any, outside of our market. But we've had probably 15 companies in the last four months get on a plane, fly to Columbus, and look at buildings and sites. And so we're, obviously, that's one sense of normalcy for us. So we feel about that. Uh, our pipeline right now is is more robust than last February. So we're at about wow. 25 projects. Probably 60% of those Of those projects would be new to the market. So they are attraction prospects and 40% would be existing companies that are considering an expansion. That's exactly the ratio that that we want and we're looking for. That's great. That's fantastic in this current environment. Yeah. One third, and this has been pretty uh, consistent over the last 10 years, one third of our prospects are foreign owned companies. Our big markets right now um continue to be Japan. That's number one because of Honda and their complete down their downstream supply chain. And we've made some great inroads in Western Europe in the last three to four years. We've located a couple of companies from Italy. Sofadel is a big Italian company that located in Circleville, uh, maybe two years ago. Uh, the toilet tissue manufacturer, they built a million and a half square foot facility. And it was a great soft landing from them. So the Columbus region has a great reputation with uh, Italian companies. We continue to nurture those relationships, but also pursuing companies in Germany, the UK, Ireland, and Austria, as well as France. So, uh, and we're, we're normally doing three trips a year to Europe to meet face to face. We're kind of doing it virtually now. Yeah. Uh, You know, we've, we've had to adapt and, Matt McAllister, who who's my colleague, who manages a, a Western Europe. Uh uh, recruitment as you know, he gets up at midnight, I think, and begins Zoom meetings <laughs> with those folks. So uh, we do continue to retain consultants uh, in Europe who are qualifying companies and investigating, making sure which ones fit our profile and are looking to the United States as a potential market. So they're doing a lot of the upfront qualifications. So when we talk to them, there's really something to discuss.
1: I think you know a lot of times, too, that we we get uh, business owners that they're so focused on their own business, you know, in in our market, sometimes they forget about the trickle down effect that that they see from all the successes that that you're having, uh, whether they're in construction or manufacturing, technology, uh, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, all of the related services and infrastructure that uh, are needed because you're serving. Uh, bringing these new new companies to the table. Uh, it's just tremendous, really. i love to see it.
0: Yeah, and we you know we're fortunate because we have a pretty diverse economy here. There's not one sector that is more than nineteen percent of our total economy. We're the state capital, so we've got a uh, government component, which is important. Uh, our our regional economy has been damaged. There's no question about um I think we will power through this better than most of the Midwestern cities. We've got momentum, we've got a strong innovation economy, um, but our retailers have have really shed a lot of jobs and they've, they've had to pivot and change their business models. This forced them to do it like right now. Yep. Um, so you're going to see the limited and the Cena brands and uh, A&F, they're going to, you know, they're going to make it, but they're going to look a lot different. So lower headcount, but could be more profitable companies in the future through e-commerce and other things. Um, and of course, hospitality has uh, mm-hmm. really been decimated. But if you take a look at, and you know, we do some analysis of other markets. But you look at Las Vegas, Orlando, even Nashville, that has such a heavy tourism component. You know, those economies are going to take a long time to rebuild. No doubt yeah. about it. Well, and that, that
1: diversity of our economy you spoke of is, is such a huge benefit. So what are, what are some of the things you guys do to try to be mindful of that, you know, so we don't get too, uh, let's say, concentrated in, in any one area? Um,
0: yeah, um, we're, you know, our targets really haven't changed quite a bit. We love manufacturing because they're high value jobs and they spin off additional jobs in the marketplace. Uh, we certainly love finance uh, and banking and insurance, very strong. What we're seeing is an emergence of fintech and insure tech companies. So that would be the downstream suppliers to the large banks and insurance companies. And we've probably located 10 or 15 of those fintech and insure tech companies. So instead of just having another big insurance company, we're really trying to build out that ecosystem in that particular industry sector. One thing that you'll hear more about is the emergence of a healthcare biotech um, gene therapy. And a lot of that has come out of a nationwide children's hospital. There's been three or four companies that um, have received incredible funding. So cutting edge technology in, in healthcare. And there are physicians and scientists and companies locating, coming to Columbus because we've become a leader in gene therapy, so wow. um, there'll be a lot more uh, around that. Of course, when it comes to you know the industry sector that may be growing the fastest would be e-commerce distribution, warehousing, with Rickenbacker. And by the way, if if you haven't been to Rickenbacker lately, pack a lunch, drive down there, and you'll be absolutely amazed how many million square foot buildings. Uh, are down there. There's one after another, after another. Yeah, uh, it's stunning if I've done that. It, it's unbelievable. And Rickenbacker, as kind of the inland port, has probably tripled the number of cargo jets, landings, and, and takeoffs just in the last couple of years. So uh, a lot of people don't think that as a big engine for our economy, but it is. And, and talk about,
1: you know, we're, we're fortunate, obviously, uh, From you talk about that distribution and warehousing thing. We're, we're on that I-70 corridor, right, which is mm-hmm. really a huge benefit for for
0: the region uh, in terms of right. east-west movement of goods. We do. And two, two Class A railroads, great highway system, uh, and then Rickenbacker. And, yeah. You know, with strong logistics assets, that tends to recruit those manufacturers because once they make it, they got to move it.
1: Yeah, great point. So, Chip, talk. You talked a little bit about the, um, you know, maybe the the local communities and things like that. How you get them involved? I mean, what are some of the ways throughout the region that you do that, uh, getting all those communities involved? Whether it's at the county level, municipal level, how how does all of that uh, th- that work?
0: Yeah, there's there's an organization called Mode. MOD Mid Ohio Development Exchange. So our world there are eleven counties and twenty-four cities. Every county has an economic development team. It might be one person. It could be five people. Every city has an economic development practitioner or city planner. So that's kind of our group, and we meet with them monthly. Sometimes twice a month, depending on what the issues are, uh, for just sort of continued professional development. Problem solving. Um, and again, we've really become one team regionally. Um, the issues that might impact Marion might be completely different than Fairfield County. And that's fine. So we 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 work with them as a collective to improve everybody, but um we deliver services to our local partners that are customized.
1: And and you're happy to work with um, you know, firms and, and companies, obviously. To, to consult with them and, and talk about expansion plans all those things right I mean this it's it's sort of that rising tide lifts lifts all boats I mean it's
0: right more- you know we've got a team of seven project managers and they're out in the marketplace uh, in terms of the business retention and expansion strategy the local economic developers I just referred to are visiting companies in their jurisdictions and if they uncover a company that says hey we're you know we might buy a company, where we're looking to expand or add a new line,, uh, they'll typically uh, pull us into that particular deal. We'll work together to find what are the programs, the resources, the incentives to help make that deal come to fruition. And as particularly over the last couple of years, we've 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 got a lot of the banks and the accounting firms, and Ray, we appreciate you guys being on our team, the attorneys, insurance folks, you're sort of our early warning system. You would probably know if one of your clients is involved in MA or looking to expand, they got a new contract. Uh, and what we're finding is our partners are just kind of giving us a phone call and say, hey, I've got a client. They're looking to add 10 or 15 or 30 or 100 people. What can we do to help that? So we're getting a lot more project opportunities because our partners have their radar on and their antenna up and saying, hey, wow, let's put a quick call into the one Columbus team to see how else we can help make this project a success.
1: Yeah, I think that's huge. Again, you know, we're all in this together in in the region and and, uh, more success that that we have. It it certainly helps uh, across the board. So, Chip, talk a little bit about. what what you foresee moving forward, if we look out, say, beyond 21 and and past, uh, you know, the, the pandemic and all of that, what, what do you see a little bit longer term for us?
0: We're super bullish on uh, I'll start with 2021. Our pipeline is really, really strong. We might have the best first quarter we've ever had. We're going to make some major announcements in the next 60 days of big uh, projects we might do a billion dollars of capital investment this first quarter. Wow! So in the near term, we're just trying to you know continue to be as aggressive as we can, using different methodologies in in uh, in our processes. Uh, we're, we're very optimistic and encouraged because we've got critical mass in a number of key areas. I mean, Ohio State continues to build out the Western lands. The research park is coming out of the ground that uh, the peninsula. So we've got critical mass. We've got product that puts us in a great position. You know, we still need continued great public sector leadership. Uh, making sure that e- economic growth and prosperity continues to be a big priority. We're busy. We need to be business friendly. Again, you know, if we're competing with Tennessee and Texas, you know, they don't have state income tax or so there are some things that, you know, maybe uh, hinder us a little bit, but you know, the big levers in decision-making for economic development would be land, labor and capital. Yeah. So we've got lots of land. We're not, you know, we don't have Lake Erie just to the north of us, so. right? No, the, the Cleveland market's a one eighty market. We're a three sixty, so we just go buy another, you know, soybean field and, and put some stuff up. Um, although there's a big push on reurbanization, redevelopment in our market, so uh, land is important. We've got that. You know, we need to continue to make sure we've got the right product at the right time. We're going to be encouraging more speculative building particularly on the industrial side. When it comes to labor, uh, we think we've got a competitive advantage with 125,000 college students uh, going to school in our market at any time. It's a great coalition of colleges and universities. We meet with them regularly. We connect them with our employers. Um, And we're going to be adding additional resources to not only recruiting companies to come here, but recruiting people. We want people to leave Chicago, leave Pittsburgh, leave New York, leave New Jersey, wherever DC, and come to Columbus because we've got great opportunities here. That's the one of the values that we can deliver to our existing business community is make sure that that reservoir of talent continues to be strong. Yeah,
1: I think that's huge, and yeah. uh, it's just it's so exciting uh, the the opportunities and and uh, uh, everything that we've got ahead for this region. I mean, it just you know it makes makes us all proud to be a part of uh, the Central Ohio community and certainly thanks uh, to you and and one Columbus and everything you do. So really appreciate uh, all of the insight today.
0: well, it's it's a lot of fun and more good news uh, is around the corner. Absolutely. Great to hear and look forward to having you
1: on again, chip. So thanks again. If you want more uh, business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, Please visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to us to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another unsuitable interview from an industry professional.